Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. All right. We've had some great sermons here in the past couple weeks, haven't we? I love uh, the preaching that we have here at Destiny, and I really loved Miles' lesson that he gave uh, a couple weeks ago. He talked about fasting. You guys remember that? It really challenged me. Uh, Fasting isn't something that I make regular enough in my life. It's something that I really haven't taken hold of, and so I'm challenged this year to do that. And and last uh, week, Pastor Eric's message about the repair of broken walls. And uh, who, who enjoyed that message last week? It was great. As we're at the new campus, looking at the new building, I see holes in the wall, and I'm like, gotta repair that hole. Now every hole I see, I gotta fix. So thanks a lot. Um, Of course, all our messages, I got to do a plug for the ministry. Check out our podcast on Spotify, Apple, uh, iHeartRadio, all the random ones. Uh, Our our podcast, our sermons are out there to listen to, and uh, it's a great way to encourage your faith during the week. You can listen to Joe Rogan and everybody else, so make sure you get the word in too, amen. All right, you got Joe Rogan. Uh, We're going to start this morning with the Sermon on the Mount. It's possibly the greatest sermon ever told, as Pastor Eric says. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount was preached by Jesus, uh, my favorite person in the Bible. Uh, And he shared quite a few things in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, The the sermons uh, that he shares uh, and the ones that we've heard the past couple weeks, uh, they kind of are uncomfortable. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shares a lot. And I have it on the screen here. These are all the things that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. So this is a big sermon. Uh, Sharing our faith, his purpose on earth, anger, lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation, loving our enemies, giving to the needy, how to pray, how to fast, money, anxiousness, judging others, asking God for things, the golden rule, recognizing people by their fruits, how to get to heaven. And I love how he wrapped it up. Do everything I just told you to do. How to obey his commands. So... But before he shares all of this, now you got to imagine a huge crowd. He's up on the mount. That's why it's called the Sermon of the Mount. And he's preaching to everybody. And he has all these different topics. But what's interesting is how he starts the Sermon on the Mount. So join me in uh, Matthew chapter 5. We're looking at verses 2 through 12. These are what is known, as I talked about earlier, as the Beatitudes. Everybody say Beatitudes. What does that mean? It's a strange word. It means how to live a blessed life. That's what the Beatitudes are about. It actually means like blessedness, which is something we don't use necessarily in our language, but how to live a blessed life. And in verse two, he shares, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the packers, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are those, or blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. And finally, verse 12, rejoice and be glad, For your reward is great in heaven, 
For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Love the Beatitudes, right? Uh, they were revolutionary at that time because they made everybody uncomfortable. Why? Because if we default to what's normal in today's culture, in the culture that has been, we live by a different list for a blessed life. This is how this list goes. Blessed are the rich in spirit, for they are the most holy. Blessed are those who rejoice, for they are happy. Yay. Blessed are the brave, for they shall not fear. Blessed are those who have achieved righteousness, for they have arrived. Blessed are the unsympathetic, for they shall achieve must, uh, much at the cost of others. Blessed are those who ride the fence of right and wrong, for they shall be relevant to all. <laughs> Blessed are those who are always right, for they shall educate the ignorant. Can someone say Facebook? <laughs> Number eight. Blessed are those who silence their faith, for they won't ruffle any feathers. And finally... Blessed are those who keep Jesus tucked away in their Bible, for they will avoid conflict. I said, ouch, when I read it. There's a few things in there that I can work on. And here's the deal. Listen, it's important to love yourself. It's important to seek happiness, but not at the cost of worshiping what we call the God of comfort. Without any self-reflection, it's easy to say that worshiping the God of comfort is not something that we all struggle with, but... If we're uncomfortable, you better believe that we can get a critical spirit really fast. Let's start with the room that you're sitting in. It's too cold in here. It's too hot in here. It's one or the other. The music was too loud today. Man, that music wasn't loud enough for me. Those seats could sure use some more cushion. Why does the coffee taste like that? The fluorescent lights are so tough on my eyes. And when is that guy going to be done preaching? <laughs> Anybody? Just me? All right, it's just me. Let me tell you a story. 11 years ago, I was a warehouse manager for a company. We did marketing materials and products for different brands in St. Louis, for Anheuser-Busch and other large companies. We would take uh, everyday products that you would get at the store, and we would customize them with graphics, uh, make, them, make a $50 cooler turn into a $200 cooler with a piece of plastic, on top of it, that's how the business worked, and it worked really well. Uh, but part of my job was to distribute the orders, check that everything looked good before we sent it out, and make sure that everything was shipped correctly, the cheapest way, and on time. It was a pretty fun job, but the, the uncomfortable thing about it was when we would get product back. We would, we would, uh, the truck would come up, and we'd say, all right, guys, let's load this truck. We're going to get all the product out. We're going to be efficient. We're going to do it. The, the truck would open, and there's things for us. And they were from us, and now they're back. And that's not how it works. So like a forklift would drive through it, or someone dropped it. And you have the opportunity at that point to be pretty critical and say, well, it's the shipping company's fault, um, or it's our fault. But what I decided to do was to take ownership. I was like, guys, we have to pack these things so well that even if a forklift hit it, it would just bounce. And so I have a fun thing to do this morning. Ryan, if you can come up, and Ben, if you can come up, I need your guys' help today. Uh, I value Ryan a lot. Anybody else value Ryan? Yeah. I also value Ben. Yeah. So value Ben too. Um, I love Ryan a lot, and I care about him, and he's important to me. So I have something to protect him this morning. 
Um, it's pretty practical, I think. It's something I learned at the warehouse. And so in order for me to protect my friend, I got some bubble wrap. And this is highly effective, especially with cardboard, but Ryan's not made out of cardboard, so we'll, we'll make it do. So I'll hold the roll. And we'll kind of go around a little bit. We got to get the arms in there because they flail. Keep them safe. They no. flail. So keep going with that. Just walk around them, Ben, and kind of speed wrap because we got to be efficient. He's a little protected at the moment. Hold on. Make sure to get his fingers so they don't hit the trucks or other forklifts. Get his phalanges. Yeah, just, just at least. Maybe the knees. Knee surgeries are too expensive these days. All right, and then come back up. We got the knees. It's okay. They're hard. They're bone. And keep going around the hands a little bit. We're almost... Guys, this is looking good. It's looking good. I'm feeling safe. I feel very safe. Yeah, make sure... Make, make sure it's taut. And you don't want it to fall off. So what we're going to do, I have tape. So we'll start there. Hold that bin. Uh, we don't buy the tape, so we use a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Make it go around. So we got them there. Oh, there's the fingers. Yep. One second. Immobilize them. Take that around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ugh. All right, stay, there. stay right there, guys. I feel good now. I feel good. I love Ryan. He's important to me. I value Ryan. Uh, you know, I don't know that bubble wrap would protect him like like he talked about from an exploding car. Um, but a few things. Let's see what Ryan can do. Um, Ryan, I think Ben's thirsty. Could you grab that bottle for him? All right, so that's not, that's not going to work. Sorry, guys. Um, well, at least he can still be a loving person. He can take care of people. Uh, ben, you know, you played bass really well today. Um, I had fun playing with you, but sometimes you just need a hug. Ryan, can you just love on Ben for a second? Just give him a hug. I don't think it's going to work. Well, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate your help. What we've learned here... Oh, you guys can leave, yeah. It's up to you. It, you, you take care of it, Ben. What we've done here is we've bubble-wrapped Ryan, and it looks silly. Uh, it looks really silly. We look at him, and we're like, Aaron, what, what are you doing? Uh, what we're doing here is we're showing how, in our lives, we do all of these things to be comfortable. If you haven't noticed, the title of today's message is Uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to read. The swirls behind it are uncomfortable. I just want it to be uncomfortable today. 
But we take so much time becoming comfortable, becoming, uh, avoiding discomfort, that we take these things in our life that are false protection. And we wrap ourselves up so much spiritually and emotionally that we become ineffective. We can't help ourselves. We can't help other people because we have spent so much time. Thanks, guys. Give, give Ryan a bit a hand. We've spent so much time putting up layers of protection. Oh, somebody hurt me. Another layer of protection. Oh, the church said something I didn't like. Another layer of protection. God didn't answer my prayer. Another layer of protection. And we feel that we've done something right. We feel that we've done something that is effective. But just like we looked at Ryan in the bubble wrap, we say, this is really not a good idea. It's silly. He can't use his hands. He can't even bend down. He can't help bend. He can't help himself. And at the end of the day, we can't do what God has called us to do. Amen? Ooh, here's the point. Comfort is something that we want to do. If uh, I thought about it last night. I laid in, in bed. My, my beautiful wife, Ariel, uh, she bought me new pillows. I said, Ariel, can you run and get new pillows, please? Um, these pillows are just so flat. And when you have a nog on the size of mine, they go fat, flat quickly. And so you got to get tough pillows, but not too tough because it's uncomfortable. So she bought me really fluffy pillows, and I laid on it. And, you know, you go to lay down, and your head's just like, huh? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just staring at her because my head's propped up. I'm like, this is not good. So you kind of do the, you know, the, you start to flatten it down a little bit, and I just start headbanging it a little bit, you know. And it's just not comfortable. When we're on the couch at home, we get stuck in a position, and then we kind of, you know, your back's a little sore, so you just kind of go, uh, and you get in that comfortable spot. We see a program on TV, and the commercial comes on, and we go, fast forward. We're so used to being comfortable that we'll do whatever we can to avoid it. And as I turn to scripture on this topic, it's easy to identify someone who chose to be uncomfortable. How strange. Uh, today, we're going to look at a few areas in the life of Jesus and we will specifically look at why his life was uncomfortable, why he chose to live that way, and how we can learn from his example. So I have a graphic for the screen here. I'm going to throw up. Uh, I'm not going to throw up. I'll put it on the screen. <laughs> uncomfortable. What you see here is Jesus' public ministry. These are all the things that happened when Jesus decided, I'm in ministry now. I'm going to do the Father's will. This is what it looked like. I know you probably can't read it from way back, but... Uh, we have everything from Jesus heals an official son. He's rejected in Nazareth. Uh, he moves to Capernaum. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. God bless him. Uh, Jesus' first tour of Galilee. He calls Matthew to follow him. Uh, next, Jesus chooses the 12 disciples. Teaches the mount on the sermon like we just talked about. Uh, a sinful woman anoints his feet. Uh, Jesus calms the storm. That's a fun Bible story. Uh, Jesus raises the daughter of a synagogue ruler. He sends out his apostles, feeding the 5,000, really cool one. Uh, he walks on water, uh, feeding of the 4,000, that's 9,000 people fed now. Uh, Jesus heals a blind man. Jesus heals a man born blind, that's two of them. He sends out 72 messengers, Mary and Martha, all the way to him meeting Zacchaeus, who was a wee little, and a wee little was he. He's anointed at Bethany. He's arrested and crucified. Jesus raised from the dead and appears to his disciples for 40 days, and then he ascends to heaven. It's a lot of business. 
Uh, my ministry doesn't look like that. Uh, I, I have a lot of screen time uh, making graphics and videos and trying to teach people about Jesus through digital media. But what we see here is Jesus did a, quite a few things, and a lot of them were uncomfortable. See, social media wasn't a thing back then. But if, if all these towns are close together and he starts healing people and he starts uh, preaching these radical things about, hey, don't do what you want to do and it will help you. Boom, crazy stuff. Crowds start to come. And let's turn to uh, John chapter six, verse 38. Jesus shares a little bit about why he's here. And he says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of he who sent me. And later in Philippians uh, chapter 2, 5 through 8, uh, it says, Have the mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In verse 7, But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. The first example of Jesus' life that we're going to learn today is that he was selfless. Everyone say selfless. Now see, selflessness is a rare, precious commodity in our culture today. Uh, selfishness has always been a problem, and from Genesis until today, we see generation after generation looking uh, at selfishness and saying, ah, we really shouldn't do that, but it remains a problem. It remains something that we, uh, that, that we struggle with, that people struggle with. It's almost like it's predictable. It's going to happen. And we can easily identify the reasoning for this issue is because we are all born into sin. We are born into a sinful nature. Have you ever heard the phrase, a born-again Christian? The reason for that is because we're born into sin when we come here on earth. And as we grow older, we hear the teachings of Jesus. We learn that we need to give uh, our sins away to him, ask him to be our savior, and we are born again. That's the second time. So if we're born into sin, no wonder this is an issue. As a parent of young kids, I learned this firsthand when I look at my uh, one and two-year-old when they were one and two, and they say, uh, hey, pick that up. No. Oh, who taught you that word? Hey, I need you to get ready. Go wash your hands for dinner. No. We don't have to teach people to say no. Kids are born saying no. They're born into rebellion. We're all born into rebellion. And quite honestly, as adults, we struggle just as much as a two-year-old does. When Ariel and I first got married, uh, learned a lot real quick. <laughs> I've had roommates before who were guys, and you know, you take care of your stuff, I'll take care of my stuff. You get off work at one side, okay, and let's go out to eat tonight, okay. And then I'll see you later. You know, it's just this, touch and go uh, type deal. You don't need to really care about them. But in marriage, it's not a roommate anymore. Uh, you have this person that you care about and you care about what they want. And, and, and now it's, uh, hey, let's go out to the, oh, what, what, well, can we go here instead? Well, I like this place. You know, my, my roommate would have gone. Uh, you wake up in the morning, it's like, that's freezing in here. What happened? Oh, I turned down the, the thermostat. That's a big one. You did what to the thermostat? The thermostat's at a perfect temperature. Well, when I grew up, it was this temperature. I had to learn how to be a little bit selfless. Well, a lot of it, let's be honest, a lot of it selfless. And my wife loves me more today, right? I figured it out, almost. 
Jesus chose to be selfless for the sake of the world. We see that he ministered to the rich and to the poor. He ministered to religious leaders. Well, he struck them down a few times. What are y'all doing? And he ministered to prostitutes. Uh, are we able to do the same? Are we able to take how important we are, how comfortable we are, get a little uncomfortable and say, it's not about me. Today, it's going to be about somebody else. Jesus operated in selflessness, and that is uncomfortable. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, please. We're going to start in verse 1. This is the temptation of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is in his ministry. He's doing his thing, and uh, he's, he's fasting for 40 days. Miles talked about a few of the different numbers in Scripture that talk about three-day fast, seven-day fast, and he did reference the 40-day fast. And what we're talking about is what Jesus did. In verse, uh, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So you have to understand, this is at the end of the fast. He's watched everybody eat. He's done the thing. Now he's towards the end of it. Uh, he was hungry. Verse 3, And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Wham! Gotcha. Devil doesn't stop. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone, AKA just jump and call your angels. They got you. Jesus says, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord, your God to test Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And in verse 9, he says, and he said to him, all of these I will give to you. And if you will fall down and worship me, Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And finally, verse 11, when the devil, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. What we see in this, in this time of temptation is Jesus is at the, the end of his 40-day fast. I can just imagine the enemy was just waiting. How many days left? Three? All right, hold on. Two days left. One day left. Let's hit them hard now. Hey, let's take some bread. Uh, the next area of Jesus' life that we can learn from as we saw through this is that he lived a life of discipline. I would have struggled with the bread option. You're saying 40 days are done. I'm at, my, I'm at the end of my fast. I'll take some of that bread. Uh, not Jesus. He was disciplined and said no. Uh, saying no to comforts in our life is difficult, amen? But discipline, man, it is vitally important in areas that we can't take control over. Now, let me share something with you. This is something I learned. I'm really glad I learned it. I want to share it. There's a difference between you having things and things having you. I'll say it again because it was really impactful for me when I learned it. There's difference between having things and things having you. Are you in control? Uh, I know I've struggled, uh, a little personal with me, I've struggled with my relationship with food. Anybody else? Just me? Cool. In high school, I was solid. Football, track, weightlifting three hours a day. I was a tank. I loved it. Miles and I played football against each other. It was fun to hit him because I was stronger than him. 
But then he hit me with a cheap shot with a cast in my ear. I'm over it. I'm not bitter about it. But I could eat anything that I wanted to. Oh, it's chicken day? I'll take two. You know, Cheetos? Where's the cheese sauce? You know, just milk. I drank so much. I'm sorry, mom and dad. I drank so much milk in high school, and I was just solid. Uh, College was the same way. I could eat whatever I wanted to at college because I was still working out, still being active, things like that. But now in my 30s, uh, not so much. I can't eat whatever I want anymore because I don't have that discipline anymore of being active. So my body says, calories, we'll just store a little bit here, and we'll store a little bit here. And all of a sudden, I go, what happened? So I I, I struggle with that, and instead of relying on the Holy Spirit for comfort, I have relied on food when I'm stressed out. I've I've relied on food when I'm emotional, uh, or or when my favorite football team loses. Um, Last night was tough. I was like, I've got to eat something. I'm like, why? I'm going to go to bed. It's a late game. But what I've done is this past week I started uh, a discipline with food. Because what I found, I did the whole keto diet a while back. I lost 75 pounds. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm back to high school. I'm going to start lifting weights and throw miles again. It's going to be fun. And, um, and then I gained some of it back. And I was like, what happened? I did it. What happened? Well, I lost my discipline. But I tell you what, when I was disciplined in that, that discipline carried into my marriage. It carried into my parenting. It carried into my work. It carried into other areas of my life. When I was faithful to do something, what some people see as small, it was big for me. When you take control of your life in these areas, your whole life is blessed. Discipline becomes this this way of living. And instead of saying, I'm emotional right now, I need to eat something. It's like, I already had lunch. I don't need to eat anything. I need to go to God. I need to pray about this situation instead of relying on a physical thing to comfort me. I need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Bible calls it crucifying our flesh. Hold on, what does that mean? Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 5. This is 16 through 26. We'll get through it real quick. How to keep in step with the Spirit. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They're at odds here. And these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So he just gave him a list of just the craziest things he could think of. Uh, And it says, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not, everybody say not, inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is anybody uncomfortable? I'm uncomfortable. Uh, Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. They have killed their flesh desire Uh, for those things, for its passions and desires. For you, it may not be food. It could be any area of your life where it has you, but you don't have it. We are called to take control of our lives. Not so much so that the Holy Spirit cannot intervene, 
Not so much so that we can't take wise counsel, but we have to find the areas that we are not disciplined in, and we have to take control of that because God wants to do big things through uh, you and with you. And if we're not available to make those hard decisions, and if we're not available to stay focused, we have issues. Discipline is uncomfortable. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, please. Christ came to fulfill the law. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. As you see here, Jesus is, is speaking here. He's educating. This is why I'm here. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Jesus had just started his ministry in the previous chapter, and here we see him on the Sermon of the Mount, just as we talked about before. He shares the reason he is here on earth. What we see is that Jesus is not wasting any time. He knows that his time is limited, and so he's focused and he's determined. We learn that Jesus was selfless, that he was disciplined, and the final area this morning that we're going to talk about for Jesus is that he had vision. Everybody say vision. Last week in Pastor Eric's message, he said that people without a plan, they do what? They perish. And it's fairly easy to determine when you are lacking vision in your life. Uh, just personal for me, uh, finances. When Ariel and I got together, we had no vision for finances. We just thought you work, you get paid, you go to McDonald's, you're good to go. <laughs> right? How, we're just young kids. Uh, so when we have no vision for our finances, we're like, wait, what is this bill for? Overdraft fees? What are those? No Soshimilko? What is that? Uh, parenting, we had no vision. It's like, wait, why aren't the kids sleeping? Why are they screaming at 2 a.m.? Doesn't the baby know it's bedtime? Uh, paying for endless diapers. Uh, my daughter, Adeline, showed up 10 weeks early. We didn't have the car seat ready. Uh, Ariel is both happy during her pregnancy and sad and mad and wants random foods all at the same time, and it's my responsibility. Um, and the funny thing is, Ariel would watch those sad puppy commercials where they want you to like pay a dollar a day to help the puppies in some country. And she would just be sitting there crying, like, what's wrong? It's like, the puppies. I want them all. Uh, and then one time I was in my office, Ariel was there. I said, I'll be right back. I came back and Ariel's crying in front of my computer. I'm like, what happened? Who, who, did someone say something to you? I was just looking at our wedding photos and I love you. And I was like, well, I love you too. That was a good one. No vision in my personal ministry. I knew that I was called to ministry, but I had no vision for it. Uh, so at that point, you know, whatever opportunity leadership looks like for me, I'll be available regardless of what God's called me to do. Uh, whatever paid ministry job comes first. Well, if it's, man, if I could get paid in ministry, I'll take whatever job comes first. Uh, whatever church would take a guy with no ministry school. I didn't have the, the ministry school diploma. I didn't have, I, I, I did an internship and I, I knew hands first, in, or uh, I worked with my hands in ministry and I knew uh, uh, what to do, what not to do in some areas, but I did not have a vision for it. And it's natural to go through these seasons where there is no vision in our life. That's when we're most anxious. That's when we're most depressed. That's when we, we, we get stressed out. Our blood pressure's going crazy and oh, the world's ending and all this different stuff. Uh, but with vision, things change. So to discipline ourselves, we, we talk with people who know more than us. Imagine that. 
and we found vision for our finances. Now our goal is to be financially free, um, even if it means I don't get to drive a new truck. That was sad. I remember when I gave up my truck. I watched it drive away, and I drove a Camry home, and there went my truck. Now with vision, budgeting our accounts is necessary to make sure we're good stewards. If we want to be blessed, we need to be good stewards of our finances. And now vision for our finances looks like investing into our retirement and funds so that we can leave a legacy to our kids and our grandkids, because it's not about me. Parenting with vision looks like raising our kids to love Jesus, to value biblical truths. Imagine that. Uh, Teaching our children practical life skills so that they don't have to learn the hard way in life. Amen. Anyone have to learn the hard way? Daily representing a godly marriage so that my daughter and son can grow up understanding the importance of finding a godly spouse. What does a woman who loves God look like? What does a man who loves God look like? That is important to teach our kids because the world is teaching them other uh, standards. And finally, vision with personal ministry. It looks like taking time to pray and asking God for clarity on my calling. It means serving at church regardless if I get paid. And understanding that though ministry school is helpful, my time spent serving under someone else's leadership equipped me to do the ministry that I do today. Amen? If Jesus didn't take the vision he had and stayed focused for us, there would be no cross. There would be no salvation. We'd still be slaughtering pigs and sheeps and goats and trying to figure out how to, how to not die and, and just be in this evil world. But Christ came to set us free. And he was focused, he was disciplined, he was selfless, and he had vision. My question this morning is, do you have vision for your life? What are your goals and plans? What is God wanting to do through you? And do you know what that is? Are you seeking that out? Lexi, go ahead and come on up. This entire message is uncomfortable, and it's uncomfortable on purpose. I tell you what, I love going to a church that's uncomfortable. And when I'm talking about, we have great seats. The fluorescent lights are what they are. Give me a break. (laughs) Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's cool. It depends if you're wearing a sweater or not. Like there's things physically that we can deal with to be comfortable, right? To deal with that. But what we're focusing on here at Destiny Church is being uncomfortable in the spirit. Not to render you ineffective or to make you stressed out, but to say, what are you actually doing for the kingdom of God? I think church should be uncomfortable. And, and quite honestly, a lot of churches today, there's, there's actual, um, what are the people you hire? Consultants. There's church consultants that we could pay for today. We could pay 50 grand for a person who is well-educated and has statistics sheets and data logs who would come in and say, get rid of that. This needs to change. Your church name needs to be shortened. Uh, that color doesn't, that's, people don't like that color anymore. It needs to change. Um, your titles need to be this instead. Your website's too long. The carpet needs to be darker. Uh, you don't want to see coffee stains. Uh, the music needs to change. You need to hire this person to do that, this person to do that. And then what they do is they morph the church into this high efficiency, which is great, but it's a high efficiency uh, a train that is moving towards comfort. And unfortunately, what it has done, has done is it has paralyzed our purpose. And if we're so focused on being comfortable at church, uh, we lose the main reasoning for what God has called us to do. Amen. So I'm excited for this new building. 
right now it's uncomfortable. You walk in and you clap. It echoes. That's why we got the sound stuff in there. Um, the boiler is crazy. I never had a relationship with the boiler before. <laughs> but it is not fair. Um, the building's old. There's things that we found that we got to fix. We're spending money on things that you won't even see. And it's tough. But guess what? It's uncomfortable. But it's progress. We are moving forward. We're getting things done. And so when we get in there, I want to encourage all of us. Here in about a month, it's going to get uncomfortable here. Things will disappear. Where'd those lights go? They're at the new building. Where'd that subwoofer go? Oh, it's over there. The screen's gone? Why? Because it's over there. I have to bring a chair to church? Maybe. But that's okay if we're focused. So if we practice a little bit of selflessness, if we practice a little bit of discipline, and if we can operate in vision, we're going to see the world change. And I'm excited about that. So I got a gift for everybody this morning. What? I did. So Shad, if you can help me. uh, I have a gift. Ariel brought it. And there's a few guys that are going to be helping pass it out. What I have done is I have brought you a piece of my past, and that is bubble wrap. Don't pop it yet. I know it's, it's hard not to pop bubble wrap. But they're going to be passing these around. So as they, don't be distracted. Just know that you're going to get a piece. It's going to be okay. I want to end our time together this morning exploring the idea that it's not up to us to comfort ourselves. We're well equipped to do so. We can spend the money. We can get the loan. We can pay the bill. We can do all these things to be comfortable. But I believe that God wants to comfort us. Amen. Our last scripture this morning is John 14, verse 16. Jesus is saying, he's he's getting ready to leave, folks. At the end of that chart, where all the things happen, he's getting ready to go. And the disciples are freaking out. What do you mean you're leaving? We got a good thing going. This is pretty comfortable right now. We can do this thing. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I hear you guys popping it. You're going to get in trouble. I'll, yeah, I'll take it away. I'll turn the car on. <laughs> so here's the deal. I want us to get into a rhythm of saying to the Holy Spirit, I need you to comfort me. I have, I have placed bubble wrap, spiritual bubble wrap around my soul to protect me from potentially failing, to protect me from potentially doing it wrong or messing up. And no matter how comfortable we make ourselves, no matter how much spiritual bubble wrap we use, we will never feel the peace of God that we will when we're operating in his will. Amen. So does everyone got the bubble wrap? Are we good? Sweet. This is what we're going to do. I want you to think of one thing, just one, one area of life where you have invested so much time and energy into being comfortable. For me, it was it's food. This past week, I have hit the discipline button hard. I don't like salad. But I tell in myself that I do. It's just how it works, folks. I'm working on my poor relationship with that. So that's the area that I popped this week. Monday morning, I went pop, and it's done. 
and I'm relying on my wife to keep me accountable, uh, my, my guys here on staff to keep me accountable, to say, hey, Aaron, what you eating? I'm eating this green leaf. <laughs> and I'm happy to do it because it means I'm disciplined. So I have a journey ahead of me and you do too. So what is that one thing? It could be spiritual, it could be physical, but it always affects the spiritual when we're undisciplined and when we're too comfortable. So think of that one thing. You got it? Uh, on a, can I have one? Is there one left? Perfect. So I want you to hold it up like this. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to take 30 seconds to really evaluate that. God, what is the one area that I'm holding on to tightly? I don't have it, it has me. I'm ready to get uncomfortable, Lord. What is that one area? So what's gonna happen is on the count of three, we're gonna pop it together. And hopefully it makes a cool sound, but who knows? One, Lord, I give it back to you. I can't handle it. Two, Lord, I want to be disciplined, selfless, and I want to operate in the vision. And three, I trust you. One, two, three. Isn't that fun? Some of y'all went full thumbs on it. So, all right, that's good. Thank you. So let's operate in selflessness. Let's operate in discipline. Amen. Let's have vision to move forward because we are called to what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Stand with me this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we trust you this morning. Thank you for this timely word, Father, that we would take these words and not just uh, close the book to go to lunch on it, Father, but I pray that we would take this time, Lord, to evaluate these areas that Jesus already walked through so that we could see a path and a clear blueprint on how to live life. We thank you, Lord. We trust you this morning. Thank you for today. And Lord, as we go out from this place, I pray that we would go out being comforted by the Holy Spirit, not by our vices. And Lord, that uh, we would be effective for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.